Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from Bristol is Sarah Abbott. I'm Buster Only working from my home studio in New York. And Taylor Schwenk is working from his new home in the foothills of Connecticut. And Taylor, what a weekend for your O's against Boston, a five-game series. Hey there, Buster. It was a great weekend down in Baltimore. You know, we watched it from the shore down in Ocean City. And uh, yeah, great weekend, Buster. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, actually, it was the series with Boston. Well, I was saying we watched we watched it from Ocean City, Buster. <laughs> That's where we spent more. You say that it was dead in Baltimore. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was right. funny. Right. Uh, Orioles, Red Sox, Fenway Park last night. And Baltimore took control early. The 1-1. Urias hits this one to deep left center field. Back is Kike looking up, and that's gone. A two-run shot for Urias, and it's 4-0 Baltimore. On their way to a 10-0 victory. As I mentioned, Baltimore taking three of five in that series. Brewers, Cubs, Milwaukee sweeps a doubleheader with help from Victor Caratini. To a pitch, high fly ball, deep center field. Hap going back to the warning track, and he will run out of room. It's into the basket, and Victor Caratini gives the Brewers a 2-1 to lead. These are dark days for the Philadelphia Phillies, who were swept by the Mets over the weekend. On Monday, they played host to the Giants, and it looked like they might come back. Well, one pitch, swung on, hit high in the air, deep center field. It's got a chance. Stuart Fairchild Carey. is back. He leaps! And he didn't catch it. It's gone. And Kyle Schwarber has tied it on a solo home run just out of the reach of the new center fielder. Scott Fransky, Sports Radio 94 WIP. They went to the 10th inning. And then this happened. Two and one pitch. Swing. There's a high drive to left field. That ball is on its way. Way back there. Almost to the top of the lower deck. A two-run homer for Kurt Casale. And the Giants are back ahead 5-3. to three. It was John Miller on that call on KNBR. The Giants win that game 5-4. to four. We're going to be talking about the Phillies and all the speculation about whether or not manager Joe Girardi is going to get fired with Tim Kirkchin. The Astros, the Athletic, and Jose Altuve broke through. Pitch on the way. And Altuve lifts this out on the right center fairly deep. It sends back Pache, still going back at the wall, looking up. See you later! Two-run home run for Jose Altuve, and it's 4 to nothing Astros. Robert Ford, KBME, 790 AM. Houston wins 5-1. to one. There were some big injuries over the weekend. Tim Anderson of the White Sox was helped off the field after a groin injury. Milwaukee placed right-hander Brandon Woodruff on the injured list with a high ankle sprain. The Royals play Zach Ranke on the 15-day injury list when he experienced a strained right forearm. They apparently didn't have an idea that he had been hurting uh, leading up to that start. There is some really good news about an injured player, Jacob DeGrom. We'll be talking with Tim about that. The Ones Who Get It Done is brought to you by Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 support and access to product specialists. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by. You know, he's been getting it done. How about Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals? 
after the Padres had cut the Cardinals' lead to 3-2, to two, Paul Goldschmidt came to the plate in the bottom of the seventh inning. 2-2. Swing and a drive to left. This might be a two-run home run. Adios. The head streak continues. And with some flair, Goldschmidt gives the Cardinals some cushion. Two-run bomb for Paul Goldschmidt. 5-2. St. Louis. And Yadi Molina tacked on. The pitch. Swing and a line drive. Base hit into left center. Newtbar around third. He'll score. Pujols churning toward third. Molina trying to get the second. The throw is off the mark. It squirts away, and Yadier Molina slides into second base. 6-2 to two, St. Louis. Those calls from ESPN Radio uh, over the weekend. The Cardinals win that game 6-3. to three. One other note, the Detroit Tigers added Cody Clements, the son of the seven-time signing awarder Roger Clemens, to their major league roster. He was batting 283 with eight homers and 31 RBI in AAA. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, it is an exciting time of year. NBA Finals are upon us. We've got the Golden State Warriors facing off against the Boston Celtics. Boo. And because of that, we're going to do my favorite, one of my favorite things we do on the ESPN podcast team. It's going to be the crossing of streams between the low posts and the Hoop Collective with Ryan Windhorst. So check those guys out. After each NBA Finals game, they're going to record a new episode recapping what just happened. Check them out wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Over the weekend, we saw one of the strangest stories of the year of any year on Friday. News broke on social media that there had been an on-field incident in Cincinnati between two players, hours before the game between the Reds and Giants. And that incident was between Cincinnati's Tommy Pham and the Giants' Jock Peterson. Major League Baseball quickly intervened, and Tommy Pham was not in the Cincinnati lineup as an investigation ensued. After Friday's game, Jock Peterson explained the whole thing stemmed from a fantasy football league dispute. Slapped you. Yeah, that happened. That was just, uh, that was the only uh, physical part. Um, Yeah. Are you able to expand on maybe what preceded that? Why that would be a few times? We were in a fantasy fantasy league together. I put somebody, a player, on the injured reserve when they were listed as out, 
and um, added another player. Uh, and then um, uh, there was a text message in the group saying that I was cheating uh, because I was stashing players on my bench. And then, uh, I don't know, I looked up the rules and sent a screenshot of the rules, how it says that when a player is ruled out, you're allowed to put them on the IR. And uh, that's all I was doing. And then uh, it just so happened that he had a player, uh, Jeff Wilson, who was out. And he had him on the IR. And I said, you literally have the same thing on your team, on your bench. And then I guess he was in two leagues, and in one of them he was on the IR and one of them he wasn't. So maybe that was a confusion. But on the ESPN league we were in, it, it was listed as out. So it's like it feels very similar to what I did. Uh, and that was basically all of it. There's not much more to it. Was there any advance inclination we didn't ever had any uh, more contact. That only time we texted was in the uh, in the group text, and yeah, I mean it was over a so year ago. Yeah, it was a uh, surprise. But. Did he just come up to you talk, or was there like an argument before he No, there was no real argument. He kind of came up and said, like, I don't know, you remember from last year? And I was like, fantasy football? And he's like, yeah. I, and, yeah. Where did he slap me? <laughs> I mean, like, just in the cheek. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in the cheek. Yeah, what did you do? Nothing. There was a decent amount of people around, and I uh, didn't get emotional, and I uh, don't think... Uh, Violence is the answer, I guess you could say. So I kind of left the situation, and uh, some other players were out there, and it like a when bench is clear, but it was batting practice, and uh, there there was nothing more to it. Like I said, it was a unfortunate situation for over a fantasy football league rule, or it wasn't a rule, and so yeah. On Saturday, it was Pham who informed reporters that he'd been suspended three games by Major League Baseball. Pham said the dispute also stemmed from a text sent by Peterson to the Fantasy League's group chat in which Pham says Peterson disrespected his teammates on the Padres for whom he played last season. I slapped Josh. I did some, some I don't condone. You know, so I had to address it. What was that? Look, you know, we there's some there's some that went on in fantasy, you know, but what he forgot to tell you guys too, you know, he said some disrespectful in a text message, and I called him out on it. So it was regarding, you know, my former team. So it was, he, he said some stuff about. I just said it plain and clear. Okay, so it wasn't anything uh, like. Regarding my former team. Okay. So I didn't like that, and I didn't like the sketch going on in the, in the fantasy. We had too much money on the line, you know. So you look at it like, you know, there's a there's a code. You're my money, then you're gonna you're gonna say some disrespectful. 
you know, there's a, there's a code to this. So, so yesterday, what happened with the them asking you not to play, and then your, yes. what went into your decision? Yes, you know, me getting pressure from MLB. So it was MLB that pressured you? Yeah. Do you expect a suspension? I'm definitely suspended. You know how long? I agree to three games. How much contact have you had with Josh since then? From the fantasy football group chat, that was the last time. I don't, I don't talk to him. I mean, this was strictly just about you know, some money, or winning some money, gambling. Um, will you or can you appeal? Uh, sounds like if I appeal, it might only get worse. <laughs> when you say three games, does that include last night? Yes. So today, tomorrow, basically the series? The series, yeah. It sounds like they don't want to play the series. <laughs> Peterson expounded about the group chat in talking with reporters on Saturday. Tommy fan suspension for the game. Just what's your reaction to that? Uh, yeah, I saw that. And uh, I know what he said, and either it's true. There are uh, there was a lot of money involved in it. There, I did send a GIF in the group chat that was making fun of the Padres. Um, in the group chat, there was also some. There was more than one Padre. There was maybe four or five that uh, I'm kind of close with a couple of them, and it was supposed to be a friendly thing, just making fun of. They were playing bad and just talking back and forth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he did not like that and responded. Uh, Jock, I don't know you well enough to make any jokes like this. And, uh, yeah, so then um, I wrote back. I'm just trying to pull it up. So it's exact. It was meant to be all fun and games. No hard feelings, sorry if you took it that way. Um, and then about two weeks later, after like week four or five, uh, he ended up leaving the league. And uh, there's been no communication since. Um, but like I said, it, it is true. I did send a, uh, a GIF making fun of the Padres. And uh, if I hurt anyone's feelings, I apologize for that. What was it, if you can share that? It was... Like, I'll show you, I guess. It was like three weightlifters lifting. That's what it was. Because they were a really good team, so it was kind of making fun of how they were uh, not playing well to make the playoffs with a very talented team. So, uh, I mean, I was teammates with some of them, and uh, yeah, it was supposed to be lighthearted, and I understand everyone un takes jokes differently, so like I said, I apologize for that and looking to move past this and show up tomorrow with no distractions and try to help this team win the ballgame. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkchin, who covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, that means talking about one of the strangest stories that we've ever seen. This whole thing, Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham. Before we get into, you know, because this is certainly an excellent vehicle for you and I to, you know, tell the, about the strangest thing that we've ever seen covering baseball. 
Uh, what did you make of the whole thing with Fam and, and Jock Peterson? <laughs> well, this is why I don't play fantasy sports, Buster. It, people get just too involved. It's too personal. As I've told you, I've been in one fantasy league in my life. It was the Fantasy Umpire Ejection League, where we picked five umpires. Our pal Judd Birch ran this at ESPN. You pick five umpires, and whoever has the most ejections at the end of the year win wins the umpire fantasy ejection league. Uh, it was so stupid. And I played it in it for like five years. Uh, to, what did I make of this? I, I still can't get over how Tommy fan would slap another human being over a fantasy base uh, football situation. And Jock Peterson seemed actually to enjoy the whole thing and to get suspended for three games. I, I just don't understand our young people today. I, I must just be way too old for this. You've known David Bell a long time, the Reds manager. What do you think he was feeling like in this difficult season for the Cincinnati Reds when he heard about that? Right. They finally started to score some runs. They finally started to win some games. And then he finds out in pregame, his guy slaps a guy on the other team, and we're going to miss him for three games. It's, it's, not, it's not pitching a no-hitter and losing, but it's up there with one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen on a field. Okay. When you started that sentence, I've told you before, I've only been in one. I thought you were going to refer to your one fight in your life because the one fight you had in your life might be as silly as what we saw with a fight nine months after the fact in a fantasy football league. Right. Well, I'm not going to tell the one fight story because you've (laughs) already heard it. It makes me look ridiculously terrible. So I'm just going to quickly tell you about Jeff Leifer, minor league player, I believe, with Indianapolis. He... (laughs) He got stuck in the bathroom during a game and the bathroom is like hooked to the end of the dugout and he can't get out. And everyone knows that he's stuck inside the bathroom waiting to come out so he could go play first base. They literally had to find a, you know, some sort of construction guy who passed the tools down into the toilet from above and eventually he got his way out and when he did finally get his way out when he went over to first base the other team had a roll of toilet paper on first base waiting for him when he got there (laughs) this baby can only happen in the minor leagues but i know this it can only happen in baseball uh and i'm gonna tell my favorite story the strangest thing that i ever covered and involves one of the people that uh, was one of your favorites in baseball uh mike flanagan the former the late great orioles pitcher so when i was covering the orioles in 1995 uh, the veterans on the team that september executed you know what uh, for years was standard operating procedure with the young players the rookies where uh when once a game started then all the rookies' clothes were taken away and they were replaced by costumes that were picked out by the veterans. And you could have a separate discussion whether or not this is something that should necessarily be done. But that's the way it was done in clubhouses all over baseball. And so when all the Orioles' rookies at the end of that game came in in, this, uh, in County Stadium in Milwaukee, uh, all their clothes were gone. The only thing that were in there were these costumes that the veterans had picked out. And all of the Orioles rookies were basically like, okay, you know, they, they roll with it and they put the costumes on except for one player. And that would be Armando Benitez. He was like, as you know, was massive. He's like 6'5", 230 pounds. And he's like, I'm not wearing that costume. I'm not putting on those clothes. It was a getaway day. 
They were headed to another city. I believe it was Toronto. And all the players are taking showers and getting dressed and getting on the team bus, and they're ready to leave. And about 30 minutes after the game, all the players are on the bus, except for Armando Benitez, who's sitting in the clubhouse saying, I'm not going to put on that costume. And so uh, I think the manager of the team, Phil Regan, sent one of his uh, Armando's best friends on the team, Manny Alexander, back into the clubhouse and said, hey, you know, can you please go get Armando and, and just get him? Let's get going. We got to get on the road. And after a few minutes, uh, Manny doesn't come out. And then Rafael Palmero, a veteran on that team, goes into the clubhouse and he's sent there to extricate Armando Benitez, tell him, look, we got to travel. We got to move along. I've never covered a story like this. I'm standing outside the clubhouse with an eyesight uh, where I can see the bus and I can see the clubhouse door to see if Armando is actually going to travel with the team to Toronto. It's becoming a story. Uh, Well, Finally, after about 10 more minutes, Mike Flanagan, the pitching coach of the Orioles, comes out, goes into the clubhouse, and after the fact, uh, he told me that when he walked into the clubhouse, what he saw was Armando Benitez cornering Manny Alexander and Rafael Palmero with a bat in the shower, like, I am not wearing those clothes. <laughs> and Flanny said to him, you know what, Armando, just just put something on. Let's go. We got to get on the damn bus. And so Armando comes out wearing a white dress shirt, uh, baseball pants and stocking feet. And he gets on the team bus and travels to Toronto that way. That's the strangest thing I've ever seen covering baseball. Right. Well, on a different level, Buster, 90, 1990 World Series, Tom Browning's uh, Reds pitcher's wife had a baby during a World Series game and he didn't have time to change. So he went to the hospital straight from a World Series game in Oakland, and his wife gave birth to the baby while he's wearing a Reds uniform in the hospital. And I asked him the next day, I said, did anyone say anything to you like, what are you wearing a uniform for? And he said, I think one of the nurses just thought I was a really big fan of the team. He was on the team. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, before we move on to real baseball topics, would you second my nomination for Jock Peterson for an Oscar for next year by the way he held his laughter on Friday as he talked about this whole situation. It was unbelievable. I mean, this was this wasn't funny. People someone got slapped, somebody got suspended, but Jock like deadpan the whole thing. How could he do that? I I've always kind of liked Jock Peterson because he's just so irreverent and so different, but there's another example of why. All right. Uh, real baseball, real problems in Philadelphia. The Phillies are in trouble. They get swept by the over the weekend by the Mets. They play the Giants yesterday. Kirk Casale hits a two-run homer in the 10th inning, and the Phillies lose again. Joe Girardi was asked by Jim Salisbury, uh, the respected reporter in Philadelphia, if he's worried about losing his job. And I got to tell you, Tim, that when I hear that speculation about Girardi and whether or not they should fire him, like, who is going to win? Who's going to do different with that team with the way that it's constructed? Because we've been talking since spring training that that defense is one of the worst we've ever seen, and that's playing out day after day after day. You agree with me or no? I do, Buster. Um, Jim Salisbury's a great reporter and had every right to ask that question and should have asked that question. And Joe Girardi had every right to to go back like that because I don't think he's going anywhere. And I agree. This team is not well built right now. Defensively, look, we've been over this, Buster. Find me a bad defensive team that won the World Series. I promise you, you won't be able to find one. 
And look at that play they had the other day when Dansby Swanson was stealing second. The ball went in the dirt. JT Real Muto threw it past Gene Segura, who should have caught it. Bryson Stott was backing up. He missed it. Dubal Herrera missed it in center field. A stole, steal of second base turned into a run because the Phillies threw it all over the field. Plus, they haven't hit a whole lot until Kyle Schwarber hit a homer yesterday and Castellanos did. Uh, this is a flawed team, and I'm sorry. It's just not Joe Girardi's fault. Well, and I really feel like that moving forward, they just need to get the best possible shortstop they can. Like seeing what Andrew Velasquez is doing for the Angels, I think that's what the the, the Phillies need to do. And, you know, Johan Camargo, a fine major leaguer, but as an everyday shortstop, I, I think the Phillies just have to try to max out on defense at shortstop and center field. What do you think? Yeah, they, they, they're going to have to do something, Buster, because after that Sunday night loss, which was a devastating loss, a reverse circle game, as we like to call it, I mean, Bryce Harper said something very revealing. He said, you know, good team, this doesn't happen to good teams. You know, you don't lose that game on Sunday night baseball the way that they did, and that can be said for several Phillies games this year. So they need to, they need to regroup very quickly because right now the Mets are way better than they are. And the Mets at this moment are nine and a half games in first place. They have a nine and a half game lead in first place in the National East. Uh, and over the weekend, we got phenomenal news from the Mets' perspective about Jacob DeGrom. You know, he was back in New York last week. He resumed his uh, throwing program. He is feeling great. He's uh, throwing with increased velocity. He's throwing an increased distance. I talked to people with the Mets organization who are speaking with confidence that he's going to have an impact this year. Uh, Sources were telling me that he's really excited. He seems really excited to the others. Like, you know what? I want to be part of this because I like this team, and I think this could be a lot of fun. You get DeGrom back. You get Max Scherzer back. You get a a nine-and-a-half game lead in the National League East. Is this thing over, Tim? Well, I really hesitate to say anything like that on May the 31st. We've been over this buster last year. The Padres had the best record in baseball after 50 games and not only didn't make the playoffs, they finished under 500. The Braves last year didn't get to 500 until August the 6th and they won the World Series. Having said that, I don't see anybody catching the Mets. So I'm not going to say it's over. I'm just saying the Mets are going to win this division because of the offense they've shown so far and their pitching obviously has been great and it's going to get better when Scherzer returns and when DeGrom returns, my goodness, what would that mean if it's July 1st or all-star break, a fresh Jacob DeGrom for the second half? I don't see that team getting caught. Paul Goldschmidt is at the end of a phenomenal month. The Cardinals, uh, you know, popping along. We're talking uh, early this week about, hey, who would be good to wear the microphone in the upcoming Sunday night baseball game? We got the Cubs and the Cardinals next weekend. And, of course, Paul Goldschmidt's name came up. Yeah, well, his name should come up because he's been the best hitter in the National League, maybe other than Mookie Betts, in the month of April. He hit, Buster hit 400, over 400 with 10 homers. The last Cardinal to do that was Rogers Hornsby in 1922. And Rogers Hornsby, to me at least, is you know the greatest right-handed hitter ever and one of the five greatest hitters of all time. That's what Paul Goldschmidt has done. He has always done it silently, meaning you never hear him talking about it. I hope he's great with uh, when he's mic'd up. My guess is he's going to be a little reserved. But the fact that he would agree to do this, I think, is great. And he's not just a great offensive player. He has solidified that infield defense the minute he arrived. And now their infield defense is awfully good.
Yeah, I'm hoping he says yes. You know, I don't know if we have an official yes from him, but I'm hoping that he says yes for sure. I agree. You know, I've talked to him. Uh, He's generally pretty understated, but he's a smart dude. And I think, you know, I look at his career as being an example of what I feel like is so much fun about baseball, about how players can evolve, players can change. You know, when he broke into baseball, uh, you know, he, it wasn't like he was a superstar prospect that, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, the superstar recruit, but he's one of those guys who just seems to diligently work through, uh, you know, different parts of his game. And it's just gotten better and better and better. Yeah, I told you, Buster, a scout friend of mine watched him very closely a few years ago in Arizona and he watched him during a game and in the on deck circle, he had the exact same routine in the on-deck circle to get ready for it at bat, meaning he took X number of swings. He took the exact same number of swings in the on-deck circle before every at bat, which uh, it's like a great free throw shooter. Once he gets his routine at the line, it's not like the rest is easy, but it makes you feel a whole lot better at release that you have prepared for your shot. He is so prepared for every at bat. And man, that Sunday night game that we did, he, he hit a ball from Carlos Rodon that was down and in first pitch and just crushed it. Everything he's swung at this month, he has crushed. So I always like to look at the standings. I don't know about you, but I always look for that team that's sort of surprising and coming up from nowhere. And last year, that team, without a doubt, was the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, I wrote them off uh, earlier in the year, and all of a sudden, at the end of the year, they went day after day after day. Uh, you know, they make the playoffs with that tremendous surge. And a team that I noticed in recent days has been making a push the Texas Rangers. Tim, I got to admit, like I, we got to the end of April and we know how the Rangers have struggled in recent years. We got to the end of April. They were seven and 14 on April 30th. And I was like, okay, well, just another lost year for Texas. And I look up today, they're within a game of 500. They've gone 16 and 10 in the month of May so far. Martin Perez, 1.60 ERA, uh, uh, Corey Seager up to 10 homers. Cole Calhoun's having a nice season. Joe Barlow's having a nice season. Now their bullpen. What do you make of the Rangers? Well, I don't think they're making the playoffs, but they're better than I thought they would be. And they are where they are with Marcus Simeon just the other day hit his first home run of the season. It was a grand slam. Keep in mind, he had 45 homers a couple years ago. And this year, he finally got to his first, meaning you know he's going to play a whole lot better and hit a whole lot more. Don't forget, Buster, how how poor of an offensive team they were last year and how much better they are. I still don't think they're going to pitch enough to win a division or make the playoffs, but look, Chris Young's in charge of that team buster with John Daniels and they'll, Chris Young knows what he's doing, and I'm really impressed with what they did in the offseason. I think they're clearly going forward. I just don't think they're ready to win a division or make the playoffs this year. All right, last Friday, before the the whole Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson thing really blew up as the big story out of Cincinnati, the bigger story in Cincinnati, Gabe Kapler, the manager of the Giants, announced that he will not stand for the national anthem uh, on most days until he feels better about the direction of the country. Uh, That certainly got a lot of response around baseball. Some of his managerial peers uh, supported him. Uh, Tony La Russa said, I have great f- respect for him personally. I like him and I think he's right, but it's not the flag and it's not the anthem. What did you make of all this? 
Well, I wasn't surprised that Gabe Kapler was the one that made that stance. As we know, he's a very profound, deep-thinking person. If you read Tim Kuhn's tremendous story on ESPN.com, it's just more insight into who Gabe Kapler is. And I admire him for saying, look, this isn't good enough what's going on in our country right now. And I think most of us can agree about that. Uh, and I I just don't know what good it's going to do, but I'm, I'm proud of him for trying. Somebody's got to try something and we'll see where it goes. Maybe others will follow. Maybe this will lead to change. Um, maybe we need a whole lot more than this to lead to real change. Yeah. And here's the thing. And I, I think is, uh, you know, he can handle the national anthem in any way that he wants that that's his right as a, you know, a citizen in this country. And by the way, that's in keeping with what you and I have witnessed with the national anthem for years, right? It's not like, uh, in baseball, there's been this uniform response to national anthem. I I've, I've watched national anthems in ballparks for 30-plus years, and there's some players, and I think you'll agree with me on this, who don't like to be on the field for the national anthem because they don't like to stand still. So they'll literally go out, do stretch, you know, they'll run the foul line stuff, and then they'll run off the field so they don't have to stand in place. There are some uh, managers, coaches, players, who will make a point of standing for the national anthem and to uh, sing along with the words. They have a different feeling about it. I've stood behind players during the national anthem and they're sort of elbowing each other saying, look how hot the national anthem singer is. (laughs) Like, it's not like there's a uniform response in the middle of it in Baltimore. Fans yell out O's as part of that. Uh, And that's why I've never quite understood why there's such a big deal made out of the national anthem. And I guess that's just because I've been, what I've been watching in ballparks all these years, there's not a uniform response, Tim, to the national anthem. I agree. But what did you do, Buster, the other night during your stand-up before a Sunday night game? Tell us what you did. I always stand up uh, as the sideline reporter. Uh, a, you know, generally I, I, I want to stand up for the national anthem. Uh, but I also am aware that if I don't stand up, that there might be somebody who could take a picture of it and tweet it out. And I wouldn't want to embarrass my employer uh, as being the one person who stood up. I will tell you that there are times when I was a reporter, a beat writer, that when the national anthem began, if my phone rang and it was a source calling me, heck yeah, I ran to the back of the press box and took that phone call out of sight. Uh, you know, not bothering other people, not interfering with other people, uh, re- standing up for the national anthem, because I felt like in that moment, that was more important than the national anthem. Would you have taken a call? Uh, if it was uh, an important call, I probably would have. But what happened to me, Buster, was I, I, when I was a sideline reporter on Monday Night Baseball, I, they said, go, it's your turn. And as soon as I started, the national anthem came on. Wow. And I had to do my little 15-second stand-up during the national anthem. And I must tell you, that didn't go over well. It wasn't my fault. I couldn't stop talking. Producer in the ear said, keep going, whereas I wanted to stop. But you can't stop right in the middle. At least they told me not to. I didn't feel very good about that. Yeah, and I, I've had that, as you know, this year on uh, Baseball Tonight. Some of the timing has been off a little bit in a couple of instances. And I've been in the middle of a report, and I can hear them uh, uh, teeing up the national anthem. And I basically say, I got to go. <laughs> I, and no matter what a producer would say to me, I'm like, I am not standing out here in the middle of 40,000 people and being the person who's shouting about 
uh, a pitcher making an adjustment with his delivery while others are, are look, you know, doing the national anthem. I, I, I don't know. I, I, the whole conversation confuses me. It really has since the whole thing started with Colin Kaepernick because I feel like everybody has a right to do what they want to do and handle this the way that they want to. And if that's how Gabe Kapler thinks he should handle it, then, hey, more power to him. Before I go, I want to ask you about the Yankees. Uh, you know, they're off to a phenomenal start. I actually think they're one of the best surprises in baseball for how well they're playing. But it is amazing, Tim, how many issues they actually have you know, uh, Joel Sherman, terrific reporter for the New York Post, writes today about what do you do with Joey Gallo, who was dropped to ninth in the lineup? What do you do with Aaron Hicks, who's off to a terrible start? Do you eat his contract? We know the stuff is going on with their bullpen. We know how thin all of a sudden their lineup looks when you don't have Giancarlo Stanton in it, batting behind Aaron Judge. I, I look at that team as being, yes, a tremendous success at this point, but they got work to do. Yeah, and I'm not sure what they do with Joey Gallo. He's a free agent at the end of the year, so the chances of trading him and getting something back of significance for someone who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, I'm not sure that's going to work out. Aaron Hicks lost a bunch of weight, as you know, Buster. He looks thinner, and he's he should be playing center field better, but I don't think he is, and he certainly hasn't hit yet. So it's kind of a miracle that they've played as well as they have with a couple spots in the outfield that have been wildly unproductive. So I think they just have to hope that Joey Gallo gets it going. I'm just not sure it's going to happen in New York, Buster. It's it's a tough place to play, and I think it's in his head a little bit. I can't say that for sure, but that's what I've been told. We'll, we'll see what they do with him, but it's pretty impressive how well they played with some holes in that lineup and now in the bullpen. All right, Tim. Thanks for doing this. Great to talk with you. Okay, Buster. See ya. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing this Tuesday? I'm doing great. Got to see some baseball in person this weekend, so that was a lot of fun. Now ready for the week. 
That's right. You were at City Field watching the Mets, who, when you were growing up, uh, they were your favorite team. I think they're still your favorite team, but maybe your fandom is is dissipated a little bit because you you know once you get into the business, you care less like a fan and more like a reporter. Uh, but the Mets are pretty exciting now, right? It doesn't feel like that. Even though they've got these issues with the rotation that they're still building, and especially what we're hearing about Jake DeGrom. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it was really exciting to be there. I will say that. And my best friend is a rabid fan at this point, and she was having so much fun. And you just see there's a lot of positive coming out of Queens right now. All right. Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is two. So speaking of those Mets, Nick Plummer hit that dramatic home run on Sunday baseball off of Corey Knable to tie the game in the ninth inning. And then he hit another home run on Monday. So he is the first Met ever to homer in each of his first two career starts. And I thought that Sunday home run was pretty fun. So the game-tying home run in the ninth inning for his first career home run. The last Met to the game-tying home run for his first career home run, the ninth or later, was Lasting's Malege in the bottom of the 10th off Armando Benitez on June 4th, 2006. He very infamously high-fived the fan down the line. I was actually at that game with my mom, so that was a uh, fun little throwback. Number two. Number two is 496. So Jesus Sanchez hit a monster home run yesterday. Yes, it was at Coors Field. But if you hit at 496, I don't care where it is. We're going to pay attention. So that was the second longest home run stack has track at Coors Field. And of course, the longest was also Marlin. It was Giancarlo Stanton in 2016. 504 feet. Number one. Number one is 12. So Mookie Betts has 12 home runs in May. He is right there in the MVP conversation after a kind of slow first 10, 15 games, totally in the past at this point. So there are only four Dodgers to have more home runs in a month. And of course, Mookie has a chance to get up there with them today, one more day left in May. Pedro Guerrero in June 1985 hit 15 home runs. Duke Snyder in August of 1953 also hit 15. Cody Bellinger back in June 2017 hit 13. And Adrian Beltre in August of 2004 also hit 13. So, Sarah, I got asked the question and get up yesterday by Hannah Storm about whether or not we should just, uh, you know, if we feel like the Dodgers are so good that they we should basically look them as being the prohibitive favorite to win the World Series. And I said, no, I feel like the last five years they've been on paper the best team and they've won the World Series once. And we saw in 2019 the Washington Nationals. I felt like in that moment they were actually a better team than the Dodgers with how they were playing. And then there's no question that last fall that the Atlanta Braves got hot. They had made all those trades. They were a better team than the Dodgers when they beat them in the postseason. So I was like, no, I'm not buying that. What about you? Yeah, I totally agree. 
I mean, if we were going to give it to the team that's seen the best in the regular season, as you're saying, each of the last five years, if not more, it probably would have been the Dodgers. And I feel like we have this conversation every year on opening day, too. Hey, on paper, this is the best team. Let's see if they can do it. But the Padres have been really good this year. We just talked about the Mets. We haven't even talked about the American League with the Yankees and even teams like the Twins. I mean, who knows what kind of run they could go on with the fact the White Sox aren't doing well in that Central. So I don't think we can give it to them, but I hope they put up a great fight in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'd say in the postseason, one thing to watch for, uh, the efficiency of their defense. I think that, you know, every team has its potentially, uh, you know, under, you know, soft part of their, uh, their the underlying belly, uh, the exposed part. And for me, it's the it's the Dodgers infield defense. I think that that's going to be interesting to watch in, in close games. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a glorious Tuesday. We have Stephen Otley at Stephen Otley up first. He writes in as Paul Goldschmidt, the most overlooked player in baseball. He's in great form, top five in average, OPS, OBP, slugging, hitting, and RBI. And seem, it seems to go unnoticed. What does he need to do to get more love now? And what does he need to do to get in the Hall of Fame? Taylor will back me up on this, Stephen. Uh, before we start the podcast, I asked Tim Kirchin about, hey, what do we need to talk about today? And I came in with like a list of seven things, and he was like, we got to talk about Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. So Goldie, Tim Kirchin has Goldie's back. Yeah, he's on, he's on Timmy's radar. No worries there. Eric Sobiek at underscore Sobes underscore writes, and hey, Buster, you've used the term hitterish on the pod a few times to describe someone who consistently has high quality at bats, regardless of the outcome of said at bats. Who is the most hitterish player in the league right now? And why is it Luis Arez? <laughs> you answered your own question. Well, and the reason why is because he's hitting 360 with 454 on base percentage. But I'd say this, like I think of that hitterish term to be connected with people who hit home runs. Uh, that you you look at a guy like that guy looks like he's going to do some damage like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last September that guy was hitterish Aaron Judge uh, first two months of this season it almost looks like the pitcher's lucky if Judge doesn't hit a home run does that make sense to you Taylor mm-hmm. Yeah that makes sense I I feel I'm glad you formally defined it though because yeah I agree with uh, Eric you've used it a couple yeah times. I mean I and I covered Tony Gwynn but early in Tony's career I talked with opposing pitchers who would say, you know what, I threw a strike and, you know, he slapped it to left field and I'll give him a single. And they they didn't really, Tony was always hitterish because he was a, a great hitter, but he was a more of a contact hitter. But hitterish is when a guy looks like, oh my God, that guy's about ready to hit the ball in the third deck. <laughs> Let's go to Kevin Seipold at Global Travel 62. He writes in, could anyone explain to me why six Major League Baseball teams are not playing a Memorial Day and why some games in nice climates are being played at night? Who at Major League Baseball makes these decisions? Yeah, I don't know about the night games, uh, but I, 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 I feel the same way about Memorial Day. Like everybody should play on a Memorial Day. You know, if you need oh, to yeah. give teams off days, give them, give them today off. Give them a Tuesday off. I don't get that. Yeah, lots more eyeballs, people available to go to the stadiums and spend dollars. P.K. Steinberg's up next. He writes, and where does the blame rest for the bad news Phillies? Will lame Duck Girardi be the scapegoat for Klintak and Dombrowski's failures, particularly in the bullpen? Yeah, I think probably at some point, maybe at the end of the year, uh, he will. Because, look, he can't fire the players, as the old saying goes. And I think it's complicated how they got to this point. They tanked a number of seasons, and they didn't get the payoff. 
Like we're seeing, you know, we saw the Astros get the payoff, the Cubs get the payoff. The Phillies really didn't get the payoff for tanking. Uh, they didn't come out with this, uh, you know, huge pipeline of prospects the way that the Orioles are hoping for as we move forward. Uh, and I got to say, you know, Dave Dabrowski, to me, someday he'll make a speech in Cooperstown. But we talked in spring training like, boy, is that defense going to work? And I know that Bryce Harper's elbow injury has complicated things, and they didn't necessarily count on having to play Schwarber and Castellanos in the outfield every day. But that's where they are, and it's a mess. Last one for today, Billy Flanagan at Billy Flan writes, and Joey Gallo dropped to the ninth spot in the order. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has an OPS of 35 points higher than Gallo, even though he has zero home runs, tons of strikeouts, and men lost on base. When will he go? Yeah, he will go, I think, before the trade deadline. Uh, we've talked about the question of whether or not, you know, he's comfortable playing in New York. That's a thing. It, it just is. Uh, you know, big market teams, guys, just some guys are not comfortable playing there. And I think Joey probably is going to be more comfortable playing with a in, a in a different market. There's already speculation about whether San Diego would be a fit. A.J. Preller, the Padres general manager, knows Gallo from his days with the Texas Rangers. And Joey's uh, he's got the ability to be a really good player. I just don't think it's going to happen in New York. Here's the the good thing for the Yankees perspective. If you're going to go out and try to do upgrades at some point, corner outfield is one of the spots that you can find help during the course of a year. There you go. That's Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. We will be back tomorrow. Send in those Bleacher Tweets tonight while you're watching games on Twitter. And uh, be sure to watch uh, Buster and Tim's segment on the ESPN YouTube page. Again, we're doing that the yeah. every week. So uh, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that absolutely is a lot of fun. It's fun to see Tim and his expressions and uh, his harumphing <laughs> over some like stupid questions. Before you go, Taylor, uh, do you agree with like give Jock Peterson the the Academy Award for how he handled that uh, first interview? Oh yeah, and he you could argue he could have been shell shocked, but he just kept a straight face. He knew he had the high ground. There was no need for him to dig even for any further. Then he's got the receipts to back up his story. So. I mean, he he he's the winner of the weekend right there. Tommy Pham, yeah. get it together, man. It's, yeah, it's almost like he went in there. Oh, gosh, I, I don't know what happened. Here it is. He didn't even have to say a word. No. He didn't have to say anything. He just lay out the facts, and he knew, as you said, he had the high ground. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.